Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. My name is Luke, and I'm now 20 years old, but this story, it took place when I was 17. So... This experience, I'm still pretty perplexed by it, but it gives me chills to this day. In May of 2017, I found myself going out a lot more on my mountain bike. I was just getting bored of cruising around the streets too, so I wanted to go for like a trail or woodland bike ride. I had never been to Lay Woods before then, and personally I don't think I'll ever be going alone again, but... After some research into a few different areas, Lay Woods seemed to be my best bet. Living living only a couple of miles away, it was a pretty nice bike ride. On arrival, it looked really peaceful and I was almost in a dreamlike state by my first look at the place. For a woodland area in England, let alone Bristol, it was pretty much amazing. On going into the woods, I remembered seeing different colours at the start of each trail, sort of signifying difficulty for bikers and length for walkers and whatnot. Don't take my word for it though, because I still really don't know what they meant. But I decided to go down a coloured, I can't remember very well, I think it was blue, trail, to see how it was there. Finding it exciting, I decided to go down the harder trail, and here's where it starts to get a little bit weird. So I began getting this weird feeling and I began looking around as if I was being followed by the woodlands itself. Everything all of a sudden felt like it was getting bigger and further away too, which was weird. But I brushed it off and it turns out that I actually completely lost track of time. I got lost on the trail too, but bear in mind, I'm very observant and aware of my surroundings before this trail. But I then came to a sort of strange opening. I could go left into this rough direction of the way out or right deeper into the woods I think. Me being me I decided to just go deeper into the woods. I came to a sort of weird little trail that just had dodgy written all over it. I went against my gut feeling of turning back and went down there. I came to a point of which the trail continued but it was actually getting pretty dangerous. 
the trail being too bumpy for me to even walk down, I eventually just turned back. But for a few minutes before turning back, I don't know why, but I was just sort of stood still staring down the trail. I just felt like I was being watched from all angles, even though it would be near impossible to have done that. Anyway, I got nervous and began walking back up the hill as I was too tired to ride at this point. Keep in mind too, my bike tires are completely solid, no punctures, slow punctures or even anything wrong at all. I wish I still had pictures of the bike too, but anyway, upon getting back to the spot where I originally went to the trail, this weird loss of time thing happened. It felt as if the whole path had stretched by like half a mile, as if the woodland was moving or something. I began walking up the path feeling that same eerie sensation of being watched as I did beforehand. But this time, it felt a bit more sinister. It felt as if something was about to happen. Bearing in mind, I hadn't seen a single person at this point in time since I went down that first trail. I'll explain the scenery though before continuing. So, it's a long path, a slight steep hill to my left, a very narrow river to my right maybe four feet deep, maybe four feet wide as well. There's bushes on either side of the river with the odd tree every now and then. And upon getting about maybe a quarter of the way up the slowly inclining path, I then all of a sudden hear a woman crying from behind a tree up ahead. I start slowing down my walking pace to try and get a good look behind the tree, but the whole time I'm thinking to myself, why would someone jump across to cry behind a tree? So I edge closer to the river to look behind to see if the person is okay. Also because many people go to Lee Woods to end their lives and such, so I was hoping maybe to help this person or something. But you guessed it. When I got there, there was no one there and the crying just suddenly stopped. A bit weirded out by this, obviously, I just sort of slowly turn away and I start walking again, a bit quicker now as I was pretty unnerved. I've had paranormal experiences before but never in a place like the woods like this. It's usually in a house or some sort of a building or something and definitely never anything as acute as that I suppose. So this whole thing was really new to me and I had this sudden shiver though as I was walking and maybe a minute or so later, only a couple of meters away from where I had heard the crying, it started up again, but this time it was right opposite me across the river. I didn't bother looking this time, I started to go into a bit of a jog and as I got faster I heard the bushes rustling as if they or whatever it was was following me. Upon hearing this, I quickly sped up and the crying became more and more hysterical. Bear in mind too that my bike was fine before this moment in time. I thought to myself, you know what, screw this, I'm gone. So I went to hop onto my bike with the adrenaline that was rushing through me and I came to an almost sudden stop. My back tire on my bike had become completely flat all of a sudden, so... I had no other choice but to just sprint with my bike and pray for the best that I don't trip up or end up having to throw it to run faster or something. With the crying person still close to me and keeping up, I'm running faster and faster praying that I get off this path that I was on. I was almost in tears at this point because I couldn't actually do anything to help the situation or get out of it faster, but 
After what felt like, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes of running, I could finally see the car park. The crying had stopped following me and getting closer and sort of started moving back to where I first heard it, I think. I wasn't about to hang around to find out though, so I sprinted out into the car park. I must have been as white as a sheet of paper and hysterical with my breathing and wheezing because multiple people in the car park turned to look at me like I was crazy. I saw the exit sign out of the car park and I just ran towards it. But while doing so, I noticed that my bike it was moving a lot smoother all of a sudden. I stopped to take a quick look and I could hardly believe it, but my bike tire it had suddenly regained all of its air and it was solid again, as it was before the unnerving crying person shenanigans. I jumped off my bike and I got away from those woods as fast as I could and since then I, I've never been back. But the thing that makes this really scary is that I have Irish heritage and in Irish folklore there's a demon woman called the Banshee. She's apparently seen in woodlands next to rivers and lakes washing blood off of clothes. It's said that if you see her washing blood off of clothes the person who owns those clothes will die. Alternatively if you hear her crying it means death apparently. I can't remember the meanings exactly of the deaths, but it means either you or a loved one will die, I think. Anyway, I don't know about all of that, but since 2017, I have lost my auntie and two of my best friends, and a dog as well, in a sort of streak of bad luck, I suppose, but I can't help but think about this when I reflect on it all. Lay Woods is no joke, that's for sure. There are many stories that have come up out of those woods. You can read online about them if you want. All you have to do is search up Bristol Haunting and Lay Woods and stuff like that and it should come up. Apparently it's rated like the 87th most haunted place in the UK according to some places. Anyway, like I said, I haven't been back there ever since and I'm not planning to and I hope that you enjoyed the story. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So I started dating my girlfriend at the end of my senior year. And before we started dating, I used multiple dating apps. In many of my dating app profiles, I had my Snapchat listed so that people could add me. This is important too, but nothing led to anything within the dating apps themselves. I would talk to people for a bit and eventually the conversation would just die out. 
When I began dating my girlfriend, I had deleted the apps but never really deleted my account, meaning that people could still see my profile and my Snapchat in it. I realized this only after a few people would add me, but it didn't go anywhere because I would tell them that, well, I had a girlfriend. As you would imagine, too, the conversation would pretty much always end there. But there was this one guy that added me. His name was Adam, and he asked me if I was available. Being straight, I was used to guys adding me, so I gave him the usual response of, sorry, I'm straight, and I actually have a girlfriend. And honestly, I sort of expected him to just leave me alone, but he didn't. At first, the messages were fairly normal, like, how was your day? What did you do today? Simple stuff like that. But being the nice guy that I try to be at least, I responded because I thought that this guy just wanted to be friends, and having a gay friend is alright by me. But then the messages, though, they progressively got more and more creepy, like, he started asking me questions about my girlfriend, and not the basic questions. Questions like, do you guys make out a lot, or does she like you in bed? I simply responded with, those are kind of personal questions, dude, and I don't feel like it's right for me to share my dating business. Adam would always apologize, and he wouldn't talk to me for a few days after that, but then he would hit me up again and ask some more creepy questions. I eventually told my girlfriend about the situation too, and while my girlfriend is super sweet, she's also very aggressively protective over me, so she adds this guy and basically tells him that he needs to leave me alone. Unfortunately though, this seemed to enrage Adam, who responded with saying that I needed to dump this girl now because, well, expletives. Naturally, I defended my girlfriend and blocked Adam, and everything was pretty cool for a week. Until another account added me. The guy's name was Tyler and he was super chill. He was really nice to me and respected my relationship with my girlfriend. As the days go by, I start to notice that Tyler's vocabulary was actually very similar to Adam's. I wasn't sure about it though, so I didn't make any assumptions that it actually was him. So I gave Tyler's snap to my girlfriend who adds him to investigate and as soon as she adds Tyler's snap, Tyler flips out at her, which confirmed that it was Adam. As soon as this realization is made though, I, I block him again. From here though, everything goes quiet from Adam for probably about a month I would say. So, I live in the suburbs of Chicago and both my girlfriend and I live down the street from each other. Naturally, we do see each other a lot and both our families are really good friends. On top of that, our families would also house-sit or pet-sit for each other from time to time. And anyway, a month goes by until I get a letter with no address or name on it. Just my name in the front. I open it, and to my shock and horror, it's basically a, a love letter from Adam. The premise of the letter was basically him saying that he loves me and he wants me to run off with him. The letter also takes a very sexual turn halfway through with him describing what he wants to do to me and vice versa. And at this moment, two horrifying realizations suddenly hit me. One is that he knows my address. And two, he dropped that letter off himself, meaning that he is in my town. 
Well, I immediately called my girlfriend, who was equally as shocked as I am, and after consulting with my parents, we eventually called the cops. Unfortunately, since I had blocked as well as removed Adam's social media information, and that the letter had no return address, there was really nothing that we could do about it. But, day after day, letters would keep appearing in my mailbox until they also started appearing in my girlfriend's mailbox as well. Her letters were way worse than mine. Adam wrote of how much he hated her and how much he wanted to like hurt her and stuff. He also started stating many times of the ways he would inflict pain upon her until she broke up with me, that is. Just like me too, she took this to the cops and again though, they couldn't really do anything about it. My girlfriend's family had plans to go to Hawaii for a vacation though and I was actually going to house sit for them. And the first couple of days went pretty much without event, until around maybe one or the last nights of the week. I can't exactly remember, but as per usual, I was over at their house just watching TV on the couch, when all of a sudden the power went out. Mind you, it's like around 1am and it's pitch black when those lights went out. The next few seconds were silent, but then I heard... A window smash from the office. To understand this a little better too, let me quickly give you a layout of the house. So, when you entered the front door, to your left was the living room, straight ahead was both the kitchen and the stairs, and to the right was the office and the dining room. On the upstairs level, as soon as you reached the top of the stairs that is, my bathroom was straight ahead and my girlfriend's room was on the right, and the other bedrooms were on the left. So, immediately I shot up and grabbed a kitchen knife. I ran upstairs to hide while I called the cops. I quickly got into my girlfriend's room and slipped into the closet. And as soon as I was able to contact the operator, I heard the pounding of the intruder running up the steps. Thankfully, I had relayed all the information to the operator in time, who then stayed on the phone as we both remained quiet. The intruder took a left when he reached the top of the stairs which gave more time for the cops to arrive and for me to get ready just in case I needed to defend myself. A few minutes go by until I heard the intruder start walking toward my girlfriend's room. In the only few precious seconds that I had I slipped out of the closet and positioned myself next to the door and as soon as he opened that door and started to enter the room I took the kitchen knife and went straight for his shoulder. A young man screamed in pain as I heard a heavy metallic object make a large thud as it hit the ground. From there I bolted out of the house where I was met by four squad cars and cops with their guns raised. I quickly threw my hands up shouting that he was upstairs in the right room. A few minutes go by and the intruder was eventually dragged out, still screaming in pain. With the siren lights flooding the street, I got a glimpse of this guy's face and it was Adam. I was informed later by an officer too that the metallic thud that I heard, it was actually a handgun that he had dropped. Adam was from Texas and had traveled up to my state to be with me apparently. He had rented a room at a local motel and would put letters in both my girlfriend's and my mailboxes daily. He would do this in the early hours of the morning which was confirmed by the security footage of the motel that he was staying at. That night, Adam... He actually had plans to kill my girlfriend and her family, so I would apparently choose to be with him. He had managed to pry open the power box, then switch off the power to her house along with the neighboring houses, and broke in with the intent of her being there. My 
Unfortunately for him, she was enjoying a tropical vacation. To be honest, I have no idea how this outcome would be different if they didn't go on vacation. Maybe they would have stopped him, or maybe something else would have happened. I don't know, but I'm grateful that I still have my girlfriend as well as her family alive. And also, I'm very grateful that Adam is now locked up. This happened around 9 years ago when I was just 13 years old. Before I tell you what happened though, I think it would be good for you to understand the layout of my former house. We moved out after this. So, imagine the letter T and the inverted version of it, then join them together at the vertical line. The vertical line is the hallway and there are two rooms at the top facing each other. And at the bottom, there is one bedroom and the bathroom facing each other, and there's my room between them facing the hallway. Now, I had always had a bit of a sleeping problem growing up, so I was wide awake at 3am like normal. I was watching the dark hallway like I usually do when I couldn't fall asleep. But on this particular night, I was more restless for some reason and felt like something was wrong. The feeling of uneasiness sat in the pit of my stomach for quite some time, it was like I was waiting for something horrifying to happen and it was inevitable. Anyway, while my unease was getting stronger and stronger and I could feel pain stemming from dread, I suddenly saw my mum walk out of the bedroom and towards the bathroom area. I must admit that when I saw her, I was overcome with relief too. I even heard the noise of the bathroom door handle. It was old and loose so it made a bit of a sort of jingling sound. I got up and out of bed to talk to her so that I could thankfully calm myself down. But when I walked past the doorframe and saw that the bathroom area was completely empty, I just sort of stood there frozen in place. Words can't even describe the horror that I felt, but I had goosebumps all over my body. I also felt like cold water was just splashed down my head. And I stood there, unable to turn my back to the dark hallway and glanced at the bedroom. And there I saw my mum and my dad sleeping peacefully, unaware of what had just happened. Somehow I found the strength to walk back to my bed, got under the covers while shaking from fear. I don't even really remember falling asleep, maybe I passed out from fear or something, I don't know. But to this day, even after nine years, I'm sure what I saw was identical to my mum. Her curly and shiny black hair was what made me feel sure that it was my mum. But what I failed to realize was that my mum didn't have a completely white set of pajamas. And whoever that was, that's what they were wearing. This is just one of the many things that happened to me and my family in that house. And it's not even limited to that place too. It's like something always follows me. Even my sister witnessed it happening two or three times too. I have no idea what's going on. I have no idea who that was or what even happened that night. Whatever it was though, it really scared me. My wife and I travel pretty often city to city and at one point we settled down in Vegas for a few months. There was one night too where we were arguing after work about something, headed towards Henderson, city outside of Vegas, lots of isolated streets out that way too. 
uh, were sitting reclined back in the passenger seat when we ran over something and the tire definitely popped. My wife got out to check and confirmed and within seconds a woman in a very nice car pulls up behind us. I saw that she was a woman and I laid back in the seat still mad, still stubborn and figuring that she was just checking on my wife assuming that she was alone. The woman said that she had a brother-in-law with a tow truck. He could definitely tow the car free of charge to a shop. My wife asked why she was being so kind and she said something like, my sister's got to stick together, I'm helping you out. She then got back in the car and my wife told me that she was going to follow us with her hazards on to this empty and dark parking lot in front of some grocery store apparently nearby to get us out of the road. I still didn't think it was weird at all. My wife was very confident that this woman was genuine and just really wanted to help us. So we pull into the parking lot and my wife gets out. I'm still laying back and this woman doesn't even know that I'm here yet. She starts talking to my wife about how she changed her life within a year. She could put her on to what she does. It seems believable to be honest. She looks really nice and her car was definitely expensive. My wife keeps insisting that she can just call a tow truck. She felt bad that she was taking her time, but we could afford it. But this woman, she just kept insisting that her brother-in-law was coming. Be patient. He really doesn't mind. She even offered at some point to drive my wife around the area looking for a shop that was open, but my wife had already googled some places. She told her that's smart and they kept talking. No suspicion, honestly. But she then starts asking my wife why she's in Vegas. We had New York plates. She says for adventure and doing something new and blah blah blah. The woman asks if she has family she's close to or maybe a boyfriend. She could introduce her to some friends to help her get well acquainted or something like that. She motions over to me and says, well, I have a husband. And the this woman, she honestly looked like a deer in headlights. I politely waved. She leans over and finally sees me, stares for a few seconds, and then just immediately gets in her car, instantly. I've never seen anyone look at me like that too, like she had to get away from me or something. She tells my wife that she has to go to a store that's opening soon. Her brother-in-law is taking too long, but he'll be there in like an hour at least. She told her not to leave, that he was going to come and help, one hour. My wife was really confused and tried to ask if she'd be there too, but the woman just drove off. We knew then that something was wrong too with that situation, and we both just sort of stared at each other in confusion. I have no idea still why that happened, but we called a towing company and fixed the car within like 40 minutes drove back to wait because my wife was persistent in believing that this woman was going to come back or her brother-in-law would and she wanted to let them know that she didn't need their help. I told her that I really don't think that they're coming back but we did wait. No one came too for like nearly two hours before we drove home and I did some research and found out apparently a lot of traffickers use women because they seem more trustworthy Vegas obviously has a large presence of these things as well, and the woman was almost desperate to keep my wife there for some reason. It was all just really weird and gave me some really creepy vibes, that's for sure. These days when I look back, it seems more obvious that there was danger there, but in the moment, the woman was just so charming and endearing that 
it seemed like she was genuinely trying to help. To be honest, I, I'm still not 100% sure what happened that night, but I'm pretty sure that she ran off because I was there and she didn't anticipate a man being there. I used to live in a fairly small town where there wasn't really much to do as a teenager. One of the things that I learned to enjoy from my parents was visiting antique stores and looking at all of the interesting old things. My senior year of high school I went to this large antique store or sort of flea market and I came across a Ouija board that was probably from the 70s or the, maybe the 80s I would guess. I was a pretty skeptical agnostic I guess you could call me at the time and thought that it would be a bit of fun to sort of do it with friends. And nothing really crazy happened except that I had my first instance of sleep paralysis around that time. The next year though, I went to college and I brought it with me. And my friend and I convinced some girls from his dorm to try out the Ouija board in a small cemetery on campus with the old landowners from like the early 1800s. That night, I stashed the board under my bed and I went to sleep like normal. But as I was dozing off, I kept seeing images of like skulls flying towards me. Almost like in that pre-dream, in-between, awake and asleep visual state, if you've ever experienced that. Anyway, I woke up suddenly from a nightmare around 3am and had the strangest feeling of being sort of partially paralyzed and then sort of released. It's hard to describe how I know this, but it felt as if there were like two long arms that lifted off of me and went under each side of my bed. It really creeped me out and I looked under my bed and then I remembered that the Ouija board was down there and so I didn't want to be alone. I was going to go to the 24-hour campus library. As I was leaving, my neighbor from across the hall came out of his room and I told him about the experience and he said that he would be willing to walk around the room with a picture of the Virgin Mary that was supposedly blessed by a holy man in Mexico. Obviously, I was a bit wary of that, being skeptical and agnostic like I was, but I figured, you know what, it couldn't hurt since I was so creeped out. The next day, I gave the board to that neighbor. I was glad to be rid of it, to be honest, and eventually I just forgot all about it. A couple of years later, I was in a bar with some friends, though, when who should I see but my old neighbor? After we caught up a bit, he said, Hey, do you remember that Ouija board that you gave me? Yeah, well, I took it back home and I gave it to my mum, and she said that some weird things like lights turning on and off and hearing voices had been happening ever since she got it, and eventually she actually burned it. That was weird to say the least, and upon reflection, that year of my life when I had that board was actually a pretty bad year. Obviously, I'm still pretty skeptical, but more open-minded about the supernatural after this experience, for sure. And I guess that's why I definitely don't want to be playing with any more Ouija boards. So I'm a clinician in a psychiatric hospital. I work with all kinds of people. I diagnose them by doing an assessment. And essentially, I find out why they're seeking help. I've always heard tales, too, of schizophrenics somehow being sort of privy to a different world through their hallucinations. But before I get to that, let me back up a bit. 
So I've read that schizophrenics can see our world in the layers that we cannot. I'd never believed it. Until I had a few experiences. One in particular too. Before I was a clinician, I was a mental health tech. I looked after patients and put them in physical holds when they were endangering themselves or others. And one day, this guy Aaron, who had been fine all week, suddenly began responding to internal or external stimuli. He ran out of his room and broke a microwave, screamed like a banshee, and went into his room. I went into his room where he leaped at me from a chair. He grabbed my shirt and said, Okay, I'm going to wear your body and we'll drive your car too. When I'm done with your body, I'll cover it in leaves. I calmly removed his hands from my neck and shoulders and I escorted him into a safe room, which is what it sounds like really. A room where only he resides and we keep an eye on him with a camera. But as he sat on the bed, he suddenly blurted out, you haven't talked to your dad in six years, and you have a brother who is missing in California. And at that, my blood instantly ran cold, and I became sort of lightheaded, because I really hadn't talked to my dad in like six years, and yes, my brother was missing, presumably in California somewhere. To say that I was a little spooked is a bit of an understatement. So... I recently uh, heard of this book called An Amazing Journey into the Psychic Mind that deals with the phenomenon of auditory and visual hallucinations. I haven't read it yet, but every schizophrenic that I've come across tells me, when they want to that is, about hearing a voice. It can give commands and come from the television or a radio or just continuously play in their head. It can tell them that no one likes them and all sorts of other things. Or it can... Say some really strange things like, no one likes you, your pants are terrible, no one loves you because, well, your pants are foolish, stuff like that. This book, though, apparently looks at the world of these hallucinations and wonders if these hallucinations are actually a negative entity alive somewhere in the world that is tormenting certain people. I don't know if I believe this, but I've been privy to psychotic people saying things to people that they should really not be able to know and so all of this has my interest peaked and I guess I just wanted to share this story because it's something that stuck with me ever since it happened. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast and please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now... All you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, 
You can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.